Someone who has been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on TogiNet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. Hey, people. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, happy day to you. Yes, this is a day that the Lord has made. I'm still rejoicing. I'm still glad in it. Ain't Jesus good? (laughs) I say yes. I ask the question, I answer the question. I say yes. I had a wonderful Passover week. Um, Pasach, that's another name for Passover. I had a wonderful Passover week and resurrection celebration. In our home, we combine the two events and we try hard to celebrate all week uh, to the best of our ability. That's a little bit hard to do in a secular uh, society, but um, we actually did okay this year with that. Um, It was the time for celebration and a time of refreshing and reflection for Chris and myself. So I guess now it's it's basically time to get back into the to the everyday grind of everyday life, right? <laughs> Hubby, are you Hello. there? Hi, handsome. Hi. I guess it's that time, huh? We're back into the everyday grind already. Huh? Today was a for me. Oh yeah, started about 4.30 this morning. <laughs> but yet we're thankful. <laughs> I'm, oh, glad yeah. you have, I'm glad you have a job. <laughs> the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So I'm glad you have a job, right? <laughs> and I just ate. Yeah, yeah, me too. I ate with you. So, um, How's it going for you? How was your week? Um, anything you want to share about your week? Um, my week was fine. It was a lot of reflection and um, just stepping back and, and acknowledging who the Lord is and giving him honor for what he did for us and also for, um, you know, learning more about the Passover why it's celebrated and why even the Lord himself um, 
acknowledged Passover. So yeah. it was it was a it was a time to <coughs> to um give you know give honor mm-hmm. and to kind of be still and grow. Right, right. So, um, of course, we share these things with each other, but I'm going to tell our listeners, you know, what our what our week was like so that they can have a better picture uh, of, of, of what we did this week. And so Passover actually began on the 30th of March and it ended on the 8th, according to the calendars that I checked. So on... Let's see, I believe on the 30th, and I forgot to make a note of this, I believe on the 30th is when we went to go see, um, uh, what was it? Um, did we? Is that when we saw I Can Only Imagine? Uh, I, no, we saw, we saw. We saw a movie before we saw the one about Apostle Paul, which we did that on on Sunday the first. But there was another one. We saw we saw God's Not Dead. There three. You, there you go. Okay, so on on Friday we went and saw God's Not Dead three, and so that was that was actually the beginning of Passover. Then on the first, which was the day that uh, some people celebrate Easter. Um, Passover had already begun. We don't celebrate Easter because of Easter, Easter's roots and the origin of Easter. So we actually bypass Easter and we celebrate Passover and Resurrection Day. So on the first, we went to see the movie, Paul the Apostle of Christ. And... Um, we had already prepared for our feast, so after after the movie, we came home and oh my goodness, I'm telling you, <laughs> I really enjoyed our feast this year. I was, I I was at a place where I was able to actually pull out my Passover, um, my Passover Passover uh, tray and my um, what do you call it? the cup? There's a there's a proper name for it, but there's a cup that people often use for communion. And so I was able to pull out my cup and my candle holders and set the table really pretty. And um, I kind of, I looked up so that I could refresh my memory on how to actually um, celebrate the Passover and how to have a Seder, C-E-D-A-R, Seder or Seder. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correct, but to have that during your Passover celebration. So I was really happy this year that I found the time that things had slowed down enough for us to be able to do that. So we had a feast. Honey, you got down, as I told you, you got down with the food. (laughs) We had roasted lamb, compliments of Chef Chris Jones. Chicken, I'm calling it chicken katsuturi, and I'm not even sure if that's the right name because you just kind of whipped it together out of your own inspiration. You know, you just put your own ingredients and stuff in there, and it was like tender and, ah, it was the bomb. (laughs) As our daughter would say, it was the bomb.com. Whipped up some green beans, made some homemade mashed potatoes that just made you want to 
slap somebody with the gravy, the perfect lamb gravy. And you know, sparkling cider is one of our favorites. So we had to have the sparkling cider, had the grape juice uh, so that we could also have our communion. So we had our cedar plate, Seder plate, and we looked at a video that reminded us of what each of the items on the plate represented. And they were significant because this is a Jewish tradition that commemorates uh, when, when God delivered the children of Israel, the Jews, from bondage in Egypt and how the death angel passed over their houses if they had anointed their houses with the blood of a lamb. It was their signal to God that they were that they were down with God, okay, that they were obedient to the instruction and that they were down with God. And when the death angel came into the land, saw the blood over their doorposts, he passed over, he passed by their houses and 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 he didn't strike their homes so their firstborn did not die but the firstborn of the egyptians died that night so that's what passover is all about and then of course communion as chris kind of alluded to was the uh, new testament term for passover right honey Yes. Okay. So then Jesus celebrated the Passover when he was alive, the night that he was betrayed. The scripture said, and the night that he was betrayed, he took and drank of the vine and ate of the bread, broke bread and ate it with his disciples. And he said, Regarding each of these things, he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This, as often as you do it, you do show my death until I come. And he said the similar statement regarding the wine, take, eat, this is my blood. So when you drink it, you, you're basically commemorating what I'm about to go through. I'm about to be broken. My blood is about to be spilled and poured out because he was beaten with stripes and he was, you know, a, a, th a crown of thorns was placed on his head, which caused him to bleed. And he was pierced in his side, which caused him to bleed. And he suffered many great, many horrible, greatly horrible things for mankind, but he was warning his disciples that this is what I'm about to go through. And he was letting them know that as, as often as you repeat this ceremony and as often as you are broken or as often as you are persecuted, as often as you are poured out, you do, that's when you really honor my death. So I was very, very, very happy to be able to celebrate that fully um, this, this, uh, this season. We had communion and then we had our feast and we just ate until we were 
completely full and satisfied. <laughs> but I will tell you how we ended our Passover celebration um, when we come back. Okay, so get your tea and meet me on the other side of the break. And we'll have more words from Chris and more words from me in a few. Alrighty. tragic past shattered your future or your now don't let it this is i'm not the woman i used to be i'm free with minister diane jones and we'll be right back after these equipping the saints ministries our mission is to equip and mature the people god calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities. We are home based in Waldorf, Maryland. If you would like more information, you may email us at etsministriesinc at gmail.com or write to us at ETS Post Office Box 72, Waldorf, Maryland 20602. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls and we can make information available to you by email. E-T-S The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, physical abuse, abandonment, and neglect. To find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived traumas such as molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may find themselves in Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, or any of the major bookstores. The Story of Me. I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right, people. This is Minister Diane I would love to have you join me while I'm on the air tonight, not only with a cup of tea, because I am sipping one of my favorites. Um, it is a, a chamomile, um, supposed to be 
soothing and calming, but it also has a good flavor. So I want you to join me with your cup of tea or your favorite beverage. And I want you to join me on this call, on this show tonight. We've been on the air. It's going on, going on eight years. It's pushing eight years now. August will be eight years. And I don't hear from many of you. I um, extend the invite and I have had some guests, of course, on the show, but I haven't had many surprise callers, you know, just anonymous or just unknown callers. So I would like to invite you to call in. Maybe you have a story that you want to share or a, a few words about your Resurrection Day celebration. If so, you're invited to call me. The call-in numbers, I believe, are on, on your screen. You should be able to see them there on the screen. But it is 866-404-6519, just in case. Okay? I'd love to hear from you. All right. So back to what I was saying about my Passover and Resurrection Day celebration. Um, I want to tell you how we wrapped up the week, but before I do that, um, let me see if Chris has any comments he wants to make about the feast, <laughs> the feast that I was describing, or the tradition of celebrating the Seder, or any of those things, um, communion, any of those things. You got any comments? Well, about? it was, it was, um, rewarding to me and and I um I knew that we were in God's will <clears throat> I'll just put it like that I knew he was pleased with us because we made time took time out and made time when when um a lot of the world is is busy and celebrating Easter eggs and rabbits and stuff so I know the Lord was pleased. That's pretty much what I have to say about that. Okay. Okay. So during the week, we kind of, we tried to take it easy and relax as much as possible. We still had some commitments that we had to keep. But um, by the end of the week, uh, Friday, we had signed up to go to this VOM conference. It stands for Voice of the Martyrs Conference. I get this magazine, I believe it's at least once a month, and it in the magazine they share stories of people who are believers, who are Christians, who in modern day, right now, in our, in our real world time, these people are being persecuted and they suffer for, for believing in Christ and for trying to share the message of the gospel. So um, they had sent me information about a conference that was coming up on the 7th. So basically by Friday, we, we hit the road so that we could have a getaway and so that we could go to that conference. And boy, I tell you, tell you, um, this was in Virginia. And I'm telling you, if you, talk about being impacted and being, being, um, stirred in multiple ways. I mean, I 
I was intently listening to everything that each speaker had to say. There were times that I, I mean, my emotions ranged from, from rejoicing and worship to anger to um, happiness. I mean, I'm just going to give you some of the highlights because uh, I, I just thought it was just so impactful. And the tour is actually still going on, and there may be a VOM in your area if you are interested. I believe that you can go to their to their website, and you would probably find the information. But let me just tell you um, a couple of the highlights um, from from the conference. They had. Ooh, let's see, four main speakers, and they had a worship leader, and four speakers, yeah, I think it was four main speakers, <coughs> include, and the worship leader, <coughs> excuse me, one of the speakers, well, before, I forgot, I forgot, I skipped right over the fact that we saw the movie about the Apostle Paul's life on the first that was that was the that was the resurrection day celebration for us is going to see that movie that movie was impactful you've got to see it you've got to see it on this show we talk about life we talk about love we talk about trauma well all of that was in that movie this was a story about a true life figure this is not a made-up fictional story this is a true life figure um, the love of Christ permeated um, that that story. I mean, it was it was his love for Christ after his conversion that motivated and kept Paul, of course, along with the power of the Holy Spirit, along with God's God's Holy Spirit, that kept him focused, that kept him and helped him to be able to endure the traumas that he suffered being imprisoned because he was a man who before he came to know Christ he had persecuted believers in Christ he had actually gone on a mission to persecute them to kill them to stomp them out to stop the move of Christ and stop the message of Christ he had done everything that he could to um, persecute and in prison Christians when he became a believer himself then he suffered and he was persecuted and he was imprisoned and he suffered for Christ and sometimes you know that's even as a believer sometimes that's hard to wrap your mind around but they did such a good job of telling the story and one of the particular scenes that stood out to me was how while he was in prison, Luke, the physician, who was also one of, um, who was a disciple of Christ, who, who was a believer in Christ, um, he, he was sneaking into the prison to visit the Apostle Paul. At first he was sneaking in, then of course the prison officials, you know, busted him out and let the the prefector know that he was doing this and so 
they knew that he was going in and out, but he was going in and out. He was risking his life to go in and out to bring Paul supplies, to comfort him and encourage him to, to write his story so that, you know, once he was no longer here, there would be something for the believers to hold on to. There would be something to encourage them to continue under extreme persecution. I mean, the history books don't, I don't think the history books quite paint the picture of how wicked Rome was. You know, a lot of them paint the picture of it being a great nation and, and you know, talk about the, the so-called wonderful aspects of it. But this was a time of great persecution, not only for the believers, but they had a culture that was such that if the children were orphaned, you know, if the children lost their parents for some reason and they were orphaned, they were just basically abandoned and they were in the streets and they were easy prey for anybody. They either they either had to fend for themselves on the streets because there was no, um, you know, welfare system or AFDC system or no uh, government system to, to look out for them and to care for them. Okay. They were either abandoned in the streets to fend, fend for themselves or they were forced into prostitution, boys and girls forced into prostitution, you know, to basically be at someone else's beck and call and to be used and abused by others for their own pleasures. Okay. And so, um, it was like, they were they were hard people they were they had no compassion for the weak they had no compassion for the widow for the orphan it was like only the strong survive type of an attitude so everything about christ opposed that sort of a system because here christ came in preaching about loving your neighbor as you love yourself you know, loving your enemy even, um, and, and doing good to those that hate you. And you're blessed when people revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you, you know, and then, and then, um, Paul comes along and he says, pure religion undefiled is this, you know, that you take care of the widow, that you take care of the orphan. And, um, so anyway, I kind of got off track here, but anyway, Paul's in prison and he's in this hardcore system because prison ain't no joke back in those days, especially. Okay. The prefector finds out that Luke's get going in and out of the prison to see Paul. Okay. But then the prefector ends up needing help because his own daughter gets sick. Ah, cliffhanger. We're coming up on a break, so I'm going to have to pause. Then when the is over. Has the tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. 
a black nurse. This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes, dreams, needs, a purpose, and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from AuthorHouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like Amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, I was just getting good into deep into my little story here so let me see if i can get back on track because i was kind of like on the story but getting off track here so we're back in the prison paul is imprisoned for preaching the gospel okay not for not for doing what he was doing not for murdering not for um um thievery, stealing, theft, anything like that. But now he's in prison for preaching the good news of the gospel. <laughs> okay? For telling people to love one another. Telling people to take care of the orphans and the widows. Telling people to live a righteous and a holy life. Um, and, to, and to do it in the name of Jesus Christ, who did it in the name of his father. Anyway, here we are. The prefector's daughter... She be, she gets deathly ill, okay? Now, Paul is, he's basically accepting of where he's at. He's accepting that this was the result of his choices. This was the result of his ministry. This was the result of his calling. So he's accepting of where he's at. But some of the other believers are starting to feel persecute feel the effects of the persecution they want to break paul out they try to break him out the prefector gets upset about this and he blames it on paul he beats paul he hasn't beaten uh, you know abused some more he throws luke into prison now he says okay i'm going to stop you from going in and out you're going to go into prison and now i'm sentencing you to death you're going to you're going to to die also okay well this is how god works while all that's going on his daughter is still getting worse the prefector's daughter is getting worse so he's he's scoping out paul and luke and he's having the prison guards bring the materials that they're writing so he can look and see what are they plotting what are they up to 
They're not plotting anything. They're just trying to get his story and his account on record so that they can encourage other people down the line who may have to suffer and are suffering persecution for the sake of the gospel so that they can know what this looks like and that they're not alone and that in spite of the hardships that they face, that it's worth it. It's worth it because in the end, you gain everlasting life. In the end, you gain heaven. In the end, there is no more pain. There is no more sorrow. Your pain on this earth might last a few minutes. It might last a year. It could last several years. But when it's over, you gain heaven, eternity, without pain, without suffering. Basically, no cross, no crown. Okay? So... This is what they were so-called plotting, but the prefector gets mad. He's threatening to have Luke killed. But in his desperation, in his desperation, he calls out for Paul and he asks him, what can I do? You know, my daughter's dying and Paul, because of his love for Christ and because of his love for mankind, says, Luke, the very man that you've got in prison, he's a doctor. He's a physician. He might be able to help your daughter. I'm crying. I'm crying. At some point, I'm crying because I'm thinking, man, there's a level of evil and wickedness here that I can't even relate to. You know, how guards and how these people are so cold-hearted that they can read this man's manuscript. They can see that he's done no evil. They can see that Luke has done no evil, but they're prepared to put them to death. But true to both of their callings, true to both of their callings, Paul is still offering help to this prefector. He's saying Luke can help you. He's a physician. Luke goes to the aid of this man. He performs a treatment on the daughter, which does save her life. And it touches this prefector enough to say, wow, thank you so much. And he, he lessened Paul's uh, suffering, but he didn't have the authority to set him free. And he, it spared Luke from death at that time, at least. But he still said, I'm not totally convinced. I can't tell you I'm totally convinced that I believe in your Christ. But I really, really thank you for what you did for my daughter and my family thanks you. I'm in tears. I'm in tears because I'm thinking, Lord, could I? Could I have that kind of commitment? Could I have that kind of love for you? That in the midst of such difficult circumstances, in the midst of such persecution, when, when Luke is treating his daughter... And, treat, and helping her to recover the ruler that was over the prefector at the time. And I can't remember, I think his name might have been Agrippa. Um, but no, it was Nero. It was Nero. He was so evil and he hated the Christians so much that he also scheduled what they called a circus. And some of you may have heard about the games and the circuses that used to go on. This is how Rome was. 
where they would actually have Christians, people that believed in Christ, killed in the arena. They would have them fed to the lions, torn apart by lions, even children. Or they would have them severed, you know, tied to horse, their limbs tied to horses and have them torn apart by chariots of horses. This was their games. Wow, some of us are concerned and, and I'm one of those people about how violent some of the video games can be. Can you believe this is how their games were in real life? For entertainment and for sport, they would kill children, women, men, just because they believed in Christ. And they're preaching against the hatred and the evil and the conceitedness and the thirst for power and the lust for power. They had to die. And I'm like, Lord, Oh God, help me, help me, help me, help me to be more like you because I just don't know if I could do that. Okay. And then of course I had to realize that it was God who gave them the grace to be able to do that. It was the spirit of God. It was the power of God that people can't do that. People can't suffer those things and endure those things in their own strength. Um, yes, there are people now who, for the sake of Allah, who in the name of jihad and in the name of the Muslim religion that uh, will kill themselves, you know, they will, they're suicide bombers that will kill themselves. Um, but the price that they're paying is not the same to me because they perpetrate evil as they're killing themselves. These are people that were preaching love. These are people that were preaching, sacrificing yourself and your own comforts to be there and to bless and to help someone else. They're not people that are saying, I'm going to kill myself, you know, um, to advance a message of love. <laughs> they're saying that they're willing to die so that they can die and go to paradise or wherever it is that they believe they're going to have seven versions or many versions and be able to screw around. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have put it that way, but it's for self, self motivation. What I'm saying is it's for the purpose of still satisfying their own lust and their own flesh in the end. You know, it's not so that the orphan can be fed. It's not so that the widow can be looked after. It's not, you know, it's not so that others can come to know Christ and live in eternity. It's still for their own glory and their own satisfaction. So talk about trauma. Talk about love. What manner of love? did Christ have for us that he endured the cross and then people like these picked up their cross. They picked up their cross, not in the physical sense, but in the essence of what they had to endure, the suffering that they had to endure. 
Paul said that he was a prisoner for Christ. He was a prisoner for Christ and that for him to die was gain. And many of the apostles and disciples ended up dying in, in, in similar ways for the same cause, for the same cause. So let me see. That was just the Apostle Paul movie. And then the VOM conference just kind of picked up where that movie left off. And one of the speakers, uh, all of the all of the speakers impressed me. All of them impacted me. But I can't tell you everybody's story tonight, and I can't even tell the ones I'm going to tell in their entirety. So I had to pick some excerpts from a few of them. Um, but before I do that, we got about two minutes before I go to break. Let me see if Chris wants to comment on the Pastor Paul movie. Do you have anything to say, honey, that you can try to say in about two minutes? No, I think you, I think you covered it well. It was, um, it was very, very eye-opening, and it would, um, it was sobering. It would bring, it would, it would bring you back to what the, um, what what the walk, what Paul's walk was really about—a walk of sacrifice and. And a, <clears throat> a walk of doing doing the Lord's work, regardless of what will happen to him. He uh he stayed true all the way to the end, and um it was a just a great example of of how it would be. You know, there's a lot of persecution, not at that level, but spiritually it is at that level that Christians go through, but anybody that's that's gonna make up their mind to fully follow the Lord, people might not see it, but you feel it and you know. So I'll leave it like that. tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day. Not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com This show's host page Amazon.com and any major bookstore overcoming sexual abuse. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. 
Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, Trisha Goyer, that's G-O-Y-E-R dot com. Trisha's vision is to be a voice of hope and possibility for teenage girls, pregnant teens, mothers, and wives. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Tugginet.com. Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Tugginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right, I'm back. And I want to wrap this up so that I can, you know, complete this picture for you, so I'm going to kind of speed it up a little bit. But um, one of the speakers at the VOM conference, his first name was Peter. He was a pastor in Sudan, and he decided with several other pastors, local pastors, that they were going to, you know, do some some missionary work preaching the gospel in Sudan. Well, I was surprised to find out that Sudan was an anti-Christian, anti-Christ region, location, area. And to what extent amazed me because this man had lived there for many years already. I didn't didn't write down the number of years, so I don't want to say how many years, but it was many years he had already been living there and, and, and pastoring. But then him and his group came under surveillance and they were being watched and um, filmed and recorded and finally arrested and charged and tried for espionage for preaching the gospel, for preaching the good news of Christ, for trying to uh, share the message of salvation with the people in the region. Okay. Outrageous. Outrageous. Just like the people of Rome. Okay. Just like modern day Muslims, even. If you preach a message that's different than theirs, even if it's a good message, they hate you. Even if it's no harm in the message. (laughs) They hate you. This man was imprisoned for at least a year. He was tortured. He said he lost 50 pounds in the first two months. 
he ended up going on a hunger strike because of how bad he was being treated. Um, he said that they wouldn't even address him by his name, that they hated him so much that they renamed him and said, your name is Filthy Pig. And if he didn't answer to that name, they would beat him. They would beat him until he finally started answering to the name of Filthy Pig because they wanted him to know he was a filthy pig for teaching from the Bible, okay? For teaching, like I said, men to love one another, to care for the widow, to care for the orphan, that we are sinners and that we need a savior and that that savior is Jesus Christ, yada, 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 okay? He was scheduled for uh, to be tortured in a, in a way that um, was very cruel. It's something called waterboarding where they simulated the act of drowning the person. They were going to, to do this to him and put some sort of a cloth over his mouth and over his face and then pour lots of water over his, over his you know, nose and his face to make him feel like he was drowning. But by the grace of God, people were praying for him. His story, I guess, was somehow publicized and people were praying for him and, and the courts were fighting for him. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jay Sekulow's uh, law firm was involved with that because I remember hearing about some of these stories myself. And God gave him the grace to endure and the grace to be spared the waterboarding, and he eventually got set free. He was scheduled to death at first. He was going to be killed at first. But it wasn't his time. It wasn't his time, okay? So God delivered him. One of the other young men, um, I believe he was the worship leader. Yes, the worship leader said that his, his own father was also a preacher in Iran, a preacher in Iran. I think he said he was a pastor there too. And, you know, that's not a, that's not a Christian friendly nation. Okay. And so his father helped someone else get free who had been arrested. They, he helped, he fought for this man and helped him to get free, but then they arrested and killed his father. So his father was actually martyred for preaching the gospel in Iran. Okay. And then, Gracia, she was the lady of the bunch. Her and her husband were um, missionaries in the Philippines. And they had been there for some time also, for years. Uh, I believe they said they had been there for years. And they had decided to celebrate their 18th wedding anniversary at a, at a nearby resort type location. And when they went to this place, they were captured because there was some rebels that were, you know, upset with the government, I guess, or whatever, and captured them along with other people. I think they said it was about 20 other people that were also captured at the time and held them hostage for a year, took them at gunpoint in, their, in the clothes that they had on their back. So they didn't even have shoes uh, when this all started. She didn't even have shoes. They were making them 
travel through the jungle. I do remember hearing about this story uh, when when she, when it finally hit the news and when she was uh, uh, rescued. Um, she was barefooted, trekking through the jungle, cold nights, days at a time, days without food. Her and her husband both lost lots of weight, um, sleeping with snakes. Um, she just described just a horrible, horrible experience, endured 16 different gun battles between this group and the military that were tracking them and trying to um, stop them, and then lost her husband in the final gun battle. The final gun battle injured her, wounded her. She got shot in the leg and killed her husband. Now she described how torturous this whole experience was and how it began to weigh on her and it began to affect her and how she began to feel angry and how she began to feel, um, you know, she, she basically lost her hope and she was angry and she became nasty, um, but she recognized those qualities, those characteristics beginning to um, grow in her and she cried out to God out in the jungle in the midst of all this hell she cried out to God and asked God to fix her heart so that she would not hate the men that had done this to her and were doing this to her and her husband and she said God changed her heart in the midst of the situation and during the final battle that killed her husband, the Lord actually intervened and they were rescued. This happened in 2002. And she said just recently, just recently she received news that about 16 of those men had been captured. They had been arrested, so some of them are in prison the gospel is actually being preached in the very prison where they're being held. And four of those men had received Christ as their personal savior. So she is the one who said, if we want to be Christ bearers, we have to be cross bearers. That was a phrase that I took from her statement. And she reminded us like Paul and like Luke and like the disciples, that if we don't pick up our cross, if we're not willing to suffer like Christ suffered, if we're not willing to be broken like he was broken, if we're not willing to have our blood poured out, maybe not necessarily in the physical sense because that's not every believer's calling, but to maybe have it poured out in terms of being persecuted, talked about, rejected, ridiculed, mistreated, lied on, we're not willing to take up our cross and follow Christ. We will have no crown. We will have no crown. If we have a crown, it won't have jewels in our crown. So I was greatly impacted and I am still chewing on. 
I'm still chewing on the information that was presented to us because it's not one of those things that I can put a check in the box and say, wow, been there, done that. Although I can say, I can say that I have experienced my share of persecution. So I was glad about that. As I listened to the stories, I was able to identify in the sense that Chris and I both have experienced a share of persecution. We have been rejected by ministries. We have been rejected by loved ones. We have been lied on and and accused of hating the body of Christ and being rebellious for doing our own thing. I was going to read an article to you to wrap this up, but I won't get to do that tonight. So maybe on the next show, we can get into that. But I would like to encourage you to pick up your cross and follow Christ so that we can truly honor his death until he comes. Until then, 